Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. And we're in our final series, final message for the series of God, Money and Me, Creating a Pathway to Financial Freedom. And we trust that you've been blessed and encouraged through it. We trust that you've been stirred in it. Uh, Over the last few weeks, we've looked at the why. We've explored this. Why did we think it was important through this time and this season to uh, explore this nature and this relationship between God and me and the money that we have at our fingertips? Uh, We've looked at the myths and explored a few of those myths. And then we've looked at the spirit of money and how it attaches itself to us, or we can submit to the authority in the heart of God. We've looked at the test of money. Uh, That is the opportunity to tithe and to recognize that all that we have is an opportunity to uh, steward what God has given to us, the resources that God has given to us. And then we've uh, looked last week, we looked at the release, the increase or the offerings, if you like, uh, the multiplication of money, the sowing of the seed. And so, and today we finish with the pathway. uh, A brief language, a brief description of what it might look like to give or to contribute or to break up our money and how we can do that effectively. I guess the question that I have as I asked last week, what's one decision that you've made throughout this series? It's a lot of content that we've heard. You can select online more than ever now and watch whatever content you want and you can watch a lot of content without it ever changing your life. And the purpose that we bring this and the desire that we have is to see our community transformed in the name of Jesus through authentic, courageous, uh, generous relationships where we are present to God and present to one another. So we trust that you are making those decisions, being daring in those decisions, seeking out the heart of the Father. What is the Holy Spirit whispering to you? What's the one nagging thought perhaps that keeps coming back that you'd rather avoid, but it brings a sense of conviction? Maybe what's the one encouragement that you need to hear, the one word of love that you need to hear as well? So we would encourage you with all the content that you're hearing, what are the decisions that we're making to continue to press into the heart of the Father? Today I'm going to use some words or some language directly from Paul de Jong's book uh, entitled the same as we've used in this series, God, Money and Me, Creating a Pathway to Financial Freedom. Now I believe this will be really helpful language if you're new or you started to faith. Maybe you've got your language and you're well established and that's great but I hope that's a great encouragement and reminder to you. Hey, if you're not following Jesus or if you're not sure about who Jesus is, there's a whole idea of church and what this looks like. We really want to encourage you to stay with us and consider the principle. Maybe you're well established as well in your financial situation. You're comfortable and you're doing really well. Who's one person that you can disciple or teach or train or coach? Whatever language that you want to use. The nature of discipleship is to be learning. And if you're struggling at this time, if you're finding it really hard, I really want to encourage you to seek out the heart of God and ask to for him to place someone before you or to reach out and who's ask someone who can uh, coach you and train you. Hey, speaking of coaches, speaking of training, uh, our cap money coaches have been a great blessing through this season and we invite them uh, to bring us one final tip for this series. The financial tip we want to share with you today is about separating out your accounts. A lot of people just run their accounts out of one account. Everything's happening in the one account. You've got direct debits coming out of one account. The whole thing, it's just like one giant bucket. If it's easier for you to manage, 
perhaps you look at expanding out and separating out, especially your savings and especially maybe some of the things that you've obligated to pay each month, just to make sure that these amounts are there and that actually when you look at your statements and your stuff, you can see what is going on. It's just a good way to actually take it all out of a big bucket and just separate it out and give it some sense and some clarity. We're grateful to our CAP money coaches and we trust that you've been blessed in that. Uh, It has been a general interest and the advice has been very gentle, but we hope that you've been encouraged in it and we want to invite you to register for a CAP money course and we'll let you know uh, when that CAP money course will be available as soon as uh, our circumstances change. But the opportunity is that's one of the opportunities where you can be coached and trained further in how we can use our finances. Why don't we just step back a little bit now, just take a moment and pray together before we step deeply and richly into what God wants to offer to us today. God, we want to thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you for um, your provision. Uh, We thank you for your provision as we reflect on the call to worship, as we um, reflect on gathering around the Lord's table. We recognize your invitation to participate in life with you. And now in this moment, in this time, we just set aside to be with you, um, to recognize you, to hear from you. And ask that you um, change our hearts, change our minds. Give us a new perspective, Father. Or remind us of an old perspective that we've forgotten. More importantly, may we encounter you in relationship so that our lives might reflect more of your heart for us and for one another as we consider what it might be to be living freely and lightly in abundance of life in Jesus. In your name we give you thanks and praise. Amen. I want you to imagine, if you can throughout this message, if you will with me, might not be that hard to imagine, that we've all got $100. I've given you $100. I'm a bit confused though, because as I was looking up and searching for images here, I discovered that you can buy a $10 note for $15 on eBay. Um, I don't understand that. I don't, I'm not necessarily looking for an explanation either, but... Imagine with me if you have $100. I've chosen $100 because it's an easy total. Some of us will be earning more than $100. Some of us can only dream of earning $100. And some of us might not be far away. But regardless of whatever age and stage of life that you might be in, I just felt like this would be a really helpful uh, image to be able to use and pass on and help break up as we come to our final message in this series, the pathway towards financial freedom. And again, as I said, you might already have a principle, you might already have a way that you do this, uh, or maybe you're looking for a new way, some refreshment, or maybe you've just got a job, maybe you're new to faith. I really hope this is, will be helpful and encouragement to you. Uh, maybe you don't earn a regular income either. Again, take the principles, pray, seek, um, seek God, seek wisdom from others, explore, refine and adjust according to your situation. There are some principles here that apply regardless of how much we earn or how we earn it. Um, but we begin our financial, uh, creating a financial pathway to freedom uh, by recognising that we are, first of all, stewards. And the first task that we have is to steward what God has given us. 
So out of that $100, we want to suggest, as we did a couple of weeks ago, where money's test recognises that we give the first tithe, the first fruits back to God. This is not a law. This is a participation in relationship and it is recognising who or what has our hearts. You remember this text from Malachi and Malachi chapter 3, where the prophet says, I, the Lord, do not change. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I'll return to you. And I think that's really important to hear and be reminded of, that God's desire first and above everything else is to be in relationship. His desire is relationship with his people, with you and I. Even if you haven't yet to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, if you've wandered away, God's heart is to be relationship. But maybe the first question you ask is, well, what's the evidence of that? How can I best do that? And this is the same question that the people were asking. You ask, how are we to return? And will a mere mortal rob God? And yet you rob me, says God. But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? Now, here's the distinction there, tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. You want to see what kind of relationship that we can have, that we can partner with, that we can do some great things. Firstly, let's establish what's happening in your heart. And the way that we can establish what's happening in your heart is through your resources, through your finances. But I'm reminded as we step into that, that uh, the words of Jesus, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Money determines where our heart is. Money determines where our heart is directed. And the tithe, the first 10%, if you like, um, positions God first in our lives. Now, we might also say, well, can I give the tithe wherever I want? There are so many great causes. Yes, there are. Correct. But what fascinates me about this story is that God says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. Bring it into the temple, bring it into the synagogue, bring it into the church. This is my vessel, this is my body, this is my distribution, if you like, throughout our world. This is the way in which I'm going to build a body of people and influence the world, bring the tithe into my storehouse. And I know that many of us have experienced disappointment and hurt um, and pain through the church, but our tithe is not dependent upon what other people do or say. Our tithe is dependent upon our relationship with God. Our tithe is not dependent upon whether we like the minister or dislike the minister. What the church has or hasn't done, our tithe is a reflection of our relationship with our God and our desire to trust him and to submit to him in everything. Neither is it about the bare minimum. I think God establishes the tithe because if he leaves it up to us, give something back to me, you know, maybe we'd be... Uh, a bit um, minimal in our thinking. And I've been reminded and just had this verse ticking over since I spoke a couple of weeks ago from Matthew chapter 23, where he's challenging the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time. And he calls them hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill, and your cumin. Like it's not even the tenth of your best. 
It's the absolute bare minimum of what the law required, what they had reduced down to law. They had reduced the relationship, this abundant, this freeing, this life-giving relationship. It had been reduced to law, to ticking a box. And so they did that, the bare minimum. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. See, tithing is making the decision to trust God, to honour God, to submit to God. But without love, without justice, without mercy and without faithfulness, it's nothing more than rule keeping. So consider the kind of relationships that we have with one another. This is the beginning. The tithe is the beginning. It is the awakening. It is the releasing of something greater in us and through us that is to the benefit of our community. Once we've given the tithe, we're then released. Imagine you've had $100 and you've given the tithe, the first $10 back to God, brought it into his storehouse and say, God, I trust you, I submit to God. That leaves you $90 or 90% of your income to do with whatever you like. Now, the opportunity that we have once we've been steward is to seed, and to seed into new things, and to seed for a harvest that we might not even fully see until eternity is fully realized in God. But the heart with which we sow determines the fruit or the harvest. Remember the scriptures from Paul in Galatians chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now, this is, an, this is a bigger picture than simply our finances. This is about our heart. This is about our words. This is about our thinking. What are we sowing into the way that we live our life? What are we speaking into our family? What are we speaking into our community? What are we releasing into our community? because of our relationship with God. Now, certainly there's an implication around that with our finances as well. It's not just about the finances, but the heart that we sow with. Paul again writes to the Corinthians church in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I think it's really easy to get caught up. I just give, give, give. And yet then we get stuck because we, maybe we can't, we've given so much away. We're giving it in resentment. Maybe we feel like we're not getting much back or nobody's paying attention or maybe we're not able to pay bills because we are so generous. We need to come back to what it looks like to be a cheerful giver. I remember when Andrea and I uh, were first married again and, and perhaps even for a number of years in, you know, and many of us are the same. You get request after request after request, emails, letters for finances, people in financial trouble, um, organisations looking to save the world. And there's so many great causes, so many worthwhile causes. And we felt this sense of uh, anxiety about how do we give more? How do we release more? And we actually sat down as we looked at our budget. We took the tithe and we separated that. So that's not nothing to do with us. That's about honouring God with everything that we've had and then releasing it. And then we started this seed. 
And so we give to a number of organisations, organisations and relationships that we've chosen to partner with out of our heart and the relationships that we might share. But we've also then set aside a bit of it in our budget so that if something does come up, we can say, hey, that's something that we really want to support together as a husband and wife. So that's something that we've done to seed into things that we might not necessarily see the harvest from, but we know that God is bringing about an eternal harvest. And that brought a lot of freedom and peace into our marriage. I had a conversation this week with an older person uh, in our community, in our congregation, and uh, they were talking to me about their finances and realising they had um, they had built up an, an a good amount of savings. They weren't necessarily spending any money. They weren't going anywhere. They didn't need anything. And they looked at their funding and they said, you know what? I've been supporting a couple of organisations for a long period of time and I really feel like God is asking me to increase that seed, knowing that he's going to bring a blessing to it. So out of uh, their thinking and out of their relationship with God, they've increased their seed to a couple of organizations because of how God has blessed them and so they've sown generously. The other side of that is uh, this week we also heard uh, of a few children in a family uh, heard our request to for people to make donations to so that we could purchase streaming equipment. We recognize this is a new season, a new day, a new age and this is a medium that's not going to go away and these children pulled their pocket money together and they wanted to sow into something, knowing that they're immediately getting the benefit as they participate in this online expression as well, but also for those who are yet to come. Now, they might not have thought about it that much, but I want to encourage them to say, hey, you've sown into not only your own family, but you've sown into people that you don't know who are watching this who, or who are yet to watch. So well done both older generations and the younger generations, wanting to sow the seed, sowing for a harvest that they cannot yet see, believing that others will also reap the fruit of that seed. So we've looked at our tithe, the first fruits of bringing to God. We've looked at the seed sowing into the harvest, doing it generously and with love and with mercy and faithfulness and understanding that we are part of something much bigger. And then we can contribute and think about how we can be saving. And again, as you can see, I've got uh, the first 10, the first fruits in the steward, another $10 note or another 10%, if you like, into the seed, and another 10% into saving. Now, Paul de Jong in his book says, match these two. As much as possible, you might like to match these three. But if that's difficult, if you see that really overwhelming, match these two. So your response might be, well, actually, out of $100, for example, I might use $5 to seed. And $5 seeding might be, you know what, I pay for someone's lunch this week, a school friend, or I save up for a period of time, or I commit to sponsoring a child, or whatever it might be. And then the saving matches that seeding as well. And that might be $2 or $5 or $10, but match those two categories or buckets, if you like. Uh, some wisdom from Proverbs. We've heard of from King Solomon uh, a number of times over the last few months and Proverbs is a collection of his wise sayings regarded as to be one of the wisest men who has ever lived. Two Proverbs uh, here, Proverbs 13.22 and then 30.25. 
A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. And in chapter 30, ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in summer. And in Proverbs uh, chapter 22, verse 7, a warning, the rich rule over the poor. And we certainly see that today, certainly a a level of um, greed and wanting to hoard wealth for a smaller group of population that is uh, highlights this is incredibly true. And the borrower is slave to the slender, the slender, the lender. I don't know why I thought slender there. There you go. Can I encourage us, think twice before going into credit. Don't be drawn in by the immediate. I know that I've done this. I felt I needed to go and buy a computer. So you go down to an electrical store and you think, yep, I can get that on credit. And particularly when they've got five years or two years or three years interest free or whatever it might be, you think, beauty. But you're paying off something over a long period of time that has little to no value within six months. Don't go into that kind of credit. It's not helpful. It's not wise. Save up for it. Borrow someone else's computer. Learn to share your family computer. (laughs) Heaven help us if we have to share one computer in the household again. But learn to adjust and then save. That will inspire you to keep saving and be motivated and not allow that to be spent anywhere else. It might also be that you're saving, not for this moment, but you want to save to sow into your next generation. You might want to buy a car, but you're also establishing a pattern, a mindset and a rhythm for your children and their children's children and for generations to come. But I also want to say this with a word of warning. Don't let what you save become the determining factor in your relationship with God. Okay, remember that all that we have comes from God. And we can build up a great deal of wealth really quickly. And so that becomes our focus. I want to encourage us, if we are saving, we're building up our wealth, even if we have our own homes, hold it loosely. Because at the end of the day, God is our provider. Um, want to encourage, instead of going into credit, uh, Think about borrowing, but you'll have time then to consider if you need it. And if you do, it will be far more gratifying if you can pay for it outright. I heard uh, one teacher once suggest that if you're thinking about buying a new car or updating your home or a new new home, whatever that might look like, consider saving 30% of what you will need before you go to a, a bank for a loan because that's an asset that you might need um, and or you will need at some stage so consider saving 30% that will make you more deliberate and intentional and it will also reduce your payments to the bank as well now again that's one philosophy others of you have done it differently have considered it differently that's okay I'm not a financial expert I'm seeking to point you to the one who is our provider. So we've done the stewarding, we've done the seeding, we're saving, and out of $100, that leaves us $70 or 70% that is released for whatever we need to do. So what's the trick here? Well, 
Embrace the decisions that you make to live within your means. Make the commitment to live within your means. Make the sacrifice to live within your means. If that means you can't buy uh, a takeaway a week, then buy a takeaway once a month, but live within your means or once every quarter. Make it a treat. Um, You might have to rethink where your spending is. Go to your utility companies and ask for payment plans and negotiate with them. Live within your means. Trust God in these decisions and it will quickly increase your margin and the flexibility that you have. If you live within your means and you've got money left over here out of your spending, you might be able to increase what you save. And I want to encourage us to think about sharing your plan. Be accountable with someone. Um, Not to bring fear or judgment over us, uh, but to be taught to have someone share it and encourage us and cheer us on and help us correct that misalignment that we make when we go overboard, when we need some extra advice, when we need that gentle reminder that says, hey, remember the plan that you've made. Remember the heart that you want to express. That's what we call discipleship, learning the heart of Jesus. And remember, above everything else, that God's heart and purpose is to be in relationship with you. Luke chapter 12, verses 29 to 30 says, Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you. Seek his kingdom first, and anything that you need, anything that you need, will be given to you. And again, the conclusion of uh, the verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that we saw earlier, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now that takes a shift in heart to believe that God wants to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, you'll have all that you need and you'll be able to abound in every good work, everything that you sow in, because you trust God first. Now, I want to say in this too, that if you suddenly get an increase, so if you get um, an increase in your salary, so all of a sudden you increased your salary to $120 a week, then bring the first fruit. So that brings that stewarding up to $12, the tithe. And you're going to go, oh, $2, that's not much, Simon. Oh, maybe it doesn't really matter. Yep. And here the conversation you're already having, this is the conversation of your heart and the relationship with your father. And if we skimp on the small amounts, we're not going to be that faithful with the larger amounts, are we? And God wants to bless us abundantly. He wants to protect us and he wants to pour out his favour so that we might be a blessing to others. And it's difficult to be a blessing to others if our heart is afraid, if our heart is hard, if our heart turns away and just shifts one degree away from God. It's hard to be a blessing because we become so self-focused, inward-looking. We become so absorbed by what we can get and God is saying, hey, 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 Set aside the first fruits first. $2 or $200, the first fruits, set it aside first because this is about you and me first. Trust me. Trust me in this. I've got you, but you need to trust me. And this is the ultimate invitation. Out of all this and out of all that we've done, all that we've explored over the last few weeks, 
we want to finish with a reminder that you're invited into a life-changing, transforming relationship with Jesus. God has stepped out of all the wealth and all the riches and all the glory of heaven and come down into earth, moved into the neighborhood, we're told in the Gospel of John. He's moved into the neighborhood. He's made himself as man. He's endured everything that we have taken on the scorn of man, the shame of man, and gone to the cross in a non-violent way so that you and I can know the full extent of God's love for you. If you ever need any evidence of God's provision, just look to the cross. And he's overcome death, he's overcome failure, he's overcome condemnation, he's overcome shame, he's overcome disappointment, he's overcome guilt, he's overcome mistakes with our finances, mistakes in our relationships, and he said, I've got you. Trust me. And this is the imitation that you have, whether you're watching and you've been a person of faith for a long period of time, whether you've been around the church but not really made that decision to trust God with everything, in everything, regardless of how much or how little you have, that's the decision that we have before us again today. Will I choose to trust God? Maybe you're new to church and you're new to this expression. Maybe you've just jumped on and you just caught the end of this series and you're going, what the blazes is happening there? I'd encourage you to go back and watch the last few weeks. Get the bigger picture, hear the understanding, and then choose to put your heart before Jesus. Surrender to him and know the blessing and provision so that we can be um, pouring out the blessing in our community because we know that our community needs healing. See, God is building his church and he invites you and I to be a part of it. This is the moment not for people of faith to shrink back and hide back and withdraw to ourselves. This is the moment for people of faith to stand up and say, I serve God above everything else with all I am and all that I have. And out of that decision, I want to trust him to bless me and to bless others through me. I trust that you've been encouraged, friends. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we want to thank you for your blessing, for your provision, for your heart, that we would know you more fully, more intentionally, more deliberately. That we would know your blessing, that we would know your provision, that we would know that you provide for us all that we need so that we might abound in every good work that you have in store for us. Father, I want to pray right now for people who are just sitting in their lounge rooms or in their kitchens, around a table, whatever it might be, and have not yet made that decision to trust you. I pray that in this moment, Father, that we would know an outpouring of your love over our hearts, our minds, our spirits. We confess, Father, we have turned away from you and we've drawn away from you through our resources, through our time, through our money, through the words that we speak, through the heart that we give, through the thoughts that we have. And we want to return to you. We repent. We confess that we become greedy. We become selfish. We become disconnected from you and from one another. Awaken us to new promises, Father. May your heart be made known to all who want to declare Jesus as Lord today. For those of us who have wandered away, we thank you that you welcome us back. A loving Father running out to greet us and embrace us. We pray that wherever we are hearing this message today, that we would know that, know your embrace, know your presence, know your welcome. And we look forward to all that you will do in us and through us as you continue to build your church to transform your world. In the name of Jesus, we pray.
Amen.